and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Kiddushin, daf ayin tet, page 79. We have a Mishnah here. We have actually two Mishnahs on the daf, but the second Mishnah is towards the end. The first Mishnah begins at the very end of yesterday's daf, and that's where we'll start. So we have a case of a father who appoints an agent, a shaliach, to betroth his daughter, meaning to go apparently and be the person overseeing the betrothal of his daughter to apparently whomever the shaliach you know deems appropriate. And then, and then the father himself goes and betrothes her to somebody else. Now, if the father's um, actions here, if the betrothal of the daughter took place in time before that of the shaliach, then the father's kiddushin is what lasts, is the standing valid kiddushin. And it doesn't work, right, the, the, the agent's kiddushin, because the daughter has already been betrothed. And if the agent's kiddushin takes place first, then kiddushav kiddushin. Then though then the daughter is betrothed to whomever the shaliach chose. Ve'im eno yadua, and this is of course the tricky one. If it's not known which came first, right, or half, they can't figure it out. Shnehem don't need get. Then this daughter needs a get from. <coughs> excuse me. Then the daughter needs a get from both men, meaning of, of the betrothed the betrothal men. Ve'im matzu echad noten get ve'echad kones. Or they could make a, an agreement, right, these two men who have to give her a get, and say, okay, you know what, she could actually marry one of them, and the other one will give the divorce. So that will be tricky if, let's say, if one of them were a Kohen, but, you know, at least on the face of it, she theoretically could end up married to one of them. They don't they don't cancel each other out in terms of their eligibility to be her husband, right? The issue is, you know, that they can't, there's no way to be fair, over who got there first, right? If you want to say, um, you know, the first comers are going to win, it doesn't work if you don't know who comes first. And likewise, if you have a woman who authorizes an agent to betroth her, herself, right? She gives an agent the permission to do so. Go find me somebody and betroth me to somebody. And then she does it on her own and she, you know, accepts a kiddushin from some man who is not the agent's choice. If her kiddushin came first, then she's betrothed to the person she accepted. If the shaliach's uh, kiddushin came first, then she's a betrothed to that person's choice. And if not, if nobody knows who came first, again, both will give her a get. Likewise, if they want to, they could make the agreement that one of them would divorce her and one of them would marry her. Now, the question is why we need all of these cases spelled out in the Mishnah. That's exactly where the Gemara is going to go. Vitzricha, right? Meaning we need each of these cases. This is the opening of the Gemara here. Right, so the the issue is here, right? If we're talking about the father, we're gonna say, well, the father is the one in who's, let's say, the one who's um responsible or 
author, authorized to make sure to know everything about the lineage of his family. So we might say, well, he is in a special position here with regard to this Kiddushan process. And we might say that she, on her own, accepting, you know, uh, designating a shaliach or accepting her own Kiddushan, maybe the terms are not the same, right? Like it could have just spelled it out. Instead of spelling it out in each case, it could have just said, you know, likewise a woman. But no, it's spelling it out to make it clear that even the woman who, I'm sorry, this is what the Gemara says here, right? She's not the expert in regard to the Yuchasin, to the lineage. You might say, like, even she who is not um, expert is still going to be um, responsible, I guess, for this Kiddushin. It's still valid, you know, if hers preceded. And again, um, she's able still to appoint the agent and still, you know, in the event of the unknown, they can, again, divorce or or decide the marriage. <clears throat> I'm not sure what's up with my voice. I apologize. And the reverse. What if we just add her case and we, we're going to extrapolate from it to the father and his shaliach, right? So then really, what do we say? Maybe we would say, well, the woman is going to be particularly careful about who she's going to marry. So we're going to give her greater say over this kind of process. We might say the father's not as particular, doesn't care as much, you know, precisely who his daughter marries. So therefore we need to have the mission include both the cases of the father who's betrothing the daughter and the woman who's responsible for her own betrothal. Okay. And then the Gemara itself goes on to address, um, you know, some of these details. Itzmar, kidsha aviha baderach. What happens if they're traveling and the father betrothes her along the way while he's traveling? The kidsha itzma ba'ir. But she herself is in the city, whatever. She accepts her own kidushin at the time that the father is um, also betrothing her. Varehi bogeret. Now, what happens if she's, you know, this is a matter of the time that has passed and she's a bogeret. She's an adult to accept her own kiddushin. And the father, who is eligible, right, to betroth the daughter, that's for a very select time period. So now what happens? Rav Amar, harehi bogeret, lifanenu. So Rav says she's a grown woman at this moment, right, at the time that she accepts the kiddushin. Her father cannot do, do this betrothal. So even if he, and the implication then is, right, even if he did that betrothal at some other time, we assume then we kind of treat it as null and void. It's as if it's it's stronger than null and void. It's as if it never was, right? And Shmuel, in contrast to Rav, Shmuel Amar, Shmuel's worried, you know, he wants to pay attention to the kiddushin of both of them. The issue being then, of course, that she can't marry the two, and then there's going to have to be some divorce going on. And then the Gemara's going to... Um, like kind of dig down deeper into the details of this case, Aima, when is it the case that the betrothal, the father's betrothal took place, right? If it took place during those six months when she is not a minor, but isn't a bogeret, right? In this like, um, you know, she's, she's not yet fully, whatever a fully an adult means, right? In terms of achieving the age of majority, right? So then, like the question then is the fact that Rav would say that she's a an adult at the moment, but how does that work with something that took place in the time before she was a Bulgarian, right? It would seem that the father could betroth the daughter when she's in this young I don't know what we we don't have a good English term for this, right? But this in between status. So then how could you just kind of 
forgive me, but just chuck the father's betrothal. Hashta he he debagra. It's only now that she's matured, right? I mean, it's only time passed and she got older. And yes, now we would accept her betrothal, meaning the one she accepts on her own. But why wouldn't the father's one take precedent? So the Gemara says, no, no, it's after the six months took place. She's already really technically on this cusp of the age of majority. Because if she weren't already in that, if she weren't in, in this double zone kind of thing, then why would Shmuel say we're worried about both of them? We would, everybody would agree that the father's kiddushin is, is nothing. As far as Shmuel is concerned, the difference in the status between a na'ara, this younger woman, and a bogeret, the, mature, the, the woman who's come to the age of majority, it's only six months, and in that time, like, are we going to say that the father can no longer betroth her because six months passed? And that seems to be, Shmuel is taking a much more elastic approach to the time when the father can betroth her. Like Mary says, and then with this we'll close, Lo tzricha, no, it, we still need to understand that we're talking about a case where, and let's narrow it really finely, the kidesh bahal yoma demeshlim shisha. The father betrothed her on the day when those six months are completed, meaning it's the last possible day that he could do it. So Rav says, no, but she's a grown woman right now. It seems to be that, you know, this was really on the same day. So wasn't she a grown woman in the morning, let's say, when the father betrothed her? What happens later in the day? And it says exactly this, if she's a, a bogeret in the afternoon, then she was considered a bogeret in the morning. Halacha doesn't distinguish in that way. And Shmuel says, no, we're not talking about like a, a technical day on the calendar. We're talking about actual physical signs of puberty. And so she, that really could, you know, be, you know, if you examine her earlier in the day or later in the day, or really, even if it's not even on the same day, you're still going to end up with a time where you, it's a different way of assessing whether she's reached the age of majority, and therefore you could have a shift in the time in a different kind of way. Now, the Gemara is going to go on and develop Shmuel's opinion further, um, and it delves into a whole interesting discussion of mikvah, but we're not going to talk about it. Yerdana, I'm handing it over to you. I, you know, I think it's interesting how much of this stuff is spent on this machlokas of Shmuel and Rav, and especially Shmuel's opinion. Um, and, you know, this is a typical Gemara passage, right? We have a Mishnah. They present an understanding of the case between Shmuel and Rav. And then they're going to meticulously go through different Tanaitic opinions and different Tanaitic sources to try to flesh out what exactly is the machlokas, Right? What is each? What does Shmuel hold? What does Rav hold? How does it line up with a variety of other sources? Um, and I think we're more than halfway done with our Dafyomi learning. Uh, you know, people should be very, uh, you know, used to uh, this type of uh, this type of of Daf. Right? That that it's essentially taking you know a Mishnah. We're going to present different opinions of how to actually understand the Mishnah. Then we're going to go back through other Tanaitic sources and say, okay, how could this all line up with each other? Um, I'm then going to jump to the mission that's at the bottom of Ahmed Bet, and we're going to get back to our topic of, you know, lineage and purity. And this has to do with uh, believing a father about his children's status. So if a man goes overseas with his wife, 
uba hu veishto ubanav. And then he returns with his wife and children. And he says, the wife who went with me overseas is this one. And these are her children. Um, he doesn't have to bring any proof about the wife or about the children. In other words, he doesn't need to bring any proof to confirm that they are who, who they are. He's believed about his children and he doesn't need to bring witnesses. Now, I, I found this mission to be fascinating because it's such a different world than the world we live in, right? This is obviously before photographs. Um, it's, you know, the idea that sort of you couldn't necessarily know who somebody is. Somebody could show up and just say, I'm such and such a person. And I guess if somebody was away long enough or had aged or looks diff- you know, could look different enough uh, or, so, you know, or not different enough, that you you sort of just had to go on people saying that they were who they were and claiming who they are. Um, you know, maybe people brought a letter saying, I'm this person or I'm related to this person. But today, where we live in a world that is almost in a way over-documented, right? You can Google somebody and find out something about anybody. Uh, the idea that somebody could leave and come back and you would almost need to think to verify their identity is fascinating. So in this type of case, if he left with someone and then he comes back with someone and says, yeah, this was the same wife and these are my kids, he doesn't need to bring any proof. We assume uh, that he's telling the truth. But if he comes back only with children and he says, my wife died and these are her children, he has to bring some type of proof about the children. In other words, he needs to establish the, you know, lineage of his children and that those actually are his children who were born to him through his deceased wife. Um, but he doesn't need to establish her lineage. And that that's what it's basically saying here. Um, uh, you write, so, right? So the proof needs to be about the children and not about the wife. Let's say he comes back with a different wife and he says, I married this woman overseas, right? And this is her and her children. So he needs to bring proof about the wife, but doesn't need to bring proof about the children, right? In other words, he needs to prove uh, her lineage, but not the children's lineage, because again, once he figures out her lineage, then it then it, that's the children's lineage. So that's why he needs to do the children. And it makes sense that in the previous case, it's the children and not the wife, because it, it's basically proving the lineage of who um, of who is alive. Meita ve'elu baneha, right? Let's say uh, he comes back with without the, the second wife and says, she died, you know, while I was overseas and these are her children. Sarichla viraya al ha'isha al ha'banim. Then he actually needs to bring proof about both, because in this case, he needs to prove that the wife was actually of good lineage and that the children were actually born to him because there's nobody who can corroborate anything of it. So the Gemara starts off by saying, I'm a Rabbi Barhuna, v'chulan kikruvichim achareha. Right? All of these cases, right, where the Mishnah says you don't need proof, um, that no proof is needed for the children, it's a case where what this means is they tag along afterwards or they come afterwards, meaning... The children are attached to her. So once you prove the mother's lineage, you're obviously proving the children's lineage. And so they're going to bring a brisa to talk about this a little bit more. Tana Ravanan, Ishana Siti Bimidinat Hayam, right? If a man comes and says, I married a, wo- a woman overseas and this is her and her children, Mevi Rayal Isha, Vein Sarichla Vi Rayal Banim. So again, 
as his Mishnah says, right? He has to bring proof about the wife, but not about the children. He has to bring proof about grown children, but not about the young children. Um, and so this seems to be an addition uh, to what uh, to what was said in the Mishnah. That in other words, it's the young children who sort of are connected to the mother, but not the grown children. Um, and then, what case are we talking about? When he only had, when he says he only had one wife, let's say he says he had two wives and one died and one, and one survived. And that's the one who's with him. Then he needs to bring proof about everybody, right? Because he needs to prove that the children are actually that wife, that that wife has good lineage. And he needs to even prove that the younger children are hurt. In other words, if there already was a second wife involved, he needs to do a little bit more um, he needs to do a little bit more proving. Now, the discussion of this mission is going to continue on tomorrow, so we'll discuss it a little bit more tomorrow. Um, but again, I think this gives us a very interesting insight into the world that they lived in, a world without documentation the way that we have. Um, and today, this probably we, we would do, you know, and we talked about this before, you would probably just do DNA testing if there was a question. Um, and so, you know, that, that's not obviously what was available then. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 